This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's political and everything beyond on Beyond Politics. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show for your Wednesday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Brett here. Hi, Brett. Hello there. The uh, got we got we got Stein returns. Apparently, he decided to you know shake off his you know Iowa corn-fed pork and you know feast and, and join us today. So we'll be talking with him. I got a few things I got to get to with him, and particularly. I got some interesting news. Once again, that remember we talked about after Roe v. Wade, that definitive 10 to 15 point swing? It's not gone away, man. Oh, I saw those polls. I didn't know those results last night. In New Hampshire. In New Hampshire. The one in New Hampshire has got it. You know, they they don't have a solution. They don't have an answer for this. We'll we'll talk to him about that. We'll we'll get to that later. When was the last time you took a flight? A flight? Uh, Was it February? Yeah, February. Where'd you go? Uh, Palm Springs. Oh, so was that? Did you fly into Palm Springs or near? near uh, yeah, Miami? yeah. Delta actually does do direct flights there, so that was God, convenient. I bet that was pricey. <laughs> Better than Sun. I've done Sun Country before to Palm Springs. I usually go there every year to visit my parents who live down there in the winter. And yeah, Sun Country. It's uh, you if sometimes you're on time, other times you're about six hours late. It's a, no. it runs the gauntlet. So yeah, I'll pay a little extra. I, Sun Country, I've actually had good success with them. I, I actually like Sun Country. As a matter of fact, I think I'm gonna be taking a Sun Country flight before too long. Um, so Palm Springs Airport, how big is it? Not big at all. No, it's like one one gate sort of thing. You because know, you know how many there's airports? more than one gate. There's like I think like well, ten maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't I don't mean a gate. I mean, do you know how Minneapolis St. Paul has like you know C and E and D? Yeah. And and that is it. C is the one that's god awful when you have to hike all the way back out to Highway Five. basically from the airport which is not a quick hike uh you know if you have to god forbid you're at the end of that one so but they only so they have like one terminal one main terminal yeah yeah that's pretty much one terminal yes correct um south in in charleston they've got two jacksonville's got two we've got four worst airport you've ever been in what's the worst one um i've never been a big fan of lax LAX is a little tough. Yeah. It's no Denver, though. Denver is a pit. I don't know who they, – they're supposed to have this super-duper airport. It's an absolute freaking mess out there. Kansas City is also bad. Remember, we had Trace uh, Bellew on from um, MST3K, and he and I were talking about bad airports, and he said Kansas City is a rough one. So they just released the list of airports. We are no longer number one as far as best airports. Oh, we were number one for we, a while? We were number one last year. Wow, okay. Have you been to MSP? is not bad. They need better breakfast food options because don't just take a pizza crust from the pizza place that was just serving pizza six hours before, throw some you know, you know, rehydrated eggs and, and sausage bits in there and fold it over and say, breakfast. You know, it's, it's Luigi's breakfast calzone. 
No, that doesn't work, dude. That's it's efficient, does, it, though. It is. It, it's and and chewy. <laughs> it's just not good. I've had that now. I don't know why I got it the second time. Maybe because it's the only thing. I, I don't want to go and sit down in an airport version of an Applebee's, man. I don't want to do that. No, I don't. I don't have that much time. I'd rather just get out to the gate, kind of get into my own zone, get ready for the flight, and off I go. So I'm looking for something that's kind of grab and go sort of thing. But the the, the pizza breakfast thing, <laughs> no, it's, it, that is a lot of dough. That is a lot of dough. But outside of that, MSP is actually a pretty good airport. I've not really had too much problems there. And the thing that's nice is with Sun Country, I will say this, having the second terminal is nice because if it was all in the one in the main Lindbergh, as opposed to the Humphrey, if they're all in the Lindbergh terminal, then you know that Sun Country would be out at the end of the sea. <laughs> get ready. Keep your hiking shoes on because you're going to be. It's going to take you a while to get out there. They do have the, they do have that little train thing that runs down that way. Yeah, yeah, that kind of helps. Yeah, a little bit. Or, or if you know, hey, if you're going to have the moving sidewalks, which are great, turn the damn things on. How about that? How many times have I seen that? It's like they're not on. It's like, what are you doing? If you've got flights out there, turn all the suckers on, man. Uh, Denver is horrible. I talked about, I talked about this last year. My wife and I, our 25th wedding anniversary, we went out to Colorado and um, went to Rocky Mountain National up in Estes Park, and we had a good time up there. Shocking how the fact that the, the grocery store in Estes Park, both Patrick and I have been there, and that is weird. But it was, you know, we, so we, we came and gave our grocery store review for the Estes Park community. Um, Denver Airport was for – they're doing construction on some of the terminals out there, right? So just don't put any flights in the terminals. You got pl- for God's sakes, you've got one of the biggest airports in the country. You've got plenty of gates you're not using. Just shift them to the empty gates. Nope, they jammed. They they basically had taken away the seating area for almost all of them. There was basically like thirty seats for four gates, all with flights leaving at basically the same time. I was like, who is the brain trust that came up with this idea? Just nuts. And yeah, just a lot of walking and not a really nice aesthetic. You know, they, the, the, the Denver airport, not good. Not a big fan. But Minneapolis-St. Paul is nice. Detroit, by the way, is the number one airport. Detroit. Detroit? Okay. I've been to Detroit airport, but that was when I was a kid. I'm guessing it's been upgraded since. Yeah. <laughs> I could guess the food options back when I was there, if I remember correctly, were like a cafeteria where there was no like brand names. It wasn't like Pizza Hut or anything was in there. It was all just the cafeteria. Here, look, it's a it's a ham salad sandwich. Mm, boy, it's a pickle on the plate. I'll take one of those. Sure. Why not? I like a good pickle. Who 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 wants banana cream pie from a from a rotating machine? Heat lamps always help. Oh God, they do. Oh, that's just nothing better than three hours under a heat lamp. It's it it's great for your skin and for that chicken wrap that you were crunchiness to it as well. Oh God, no, dried out. One of those things where you bite into it and immediately every bit of moisture in your mouth is gone. It's like, (laughs) and that's the chicken you just eat. The bread. Forget about it. You've, you've got to abandon that plan. you just got to open that sucker up and just hope that some of the lettuce, that's warm lettuce because, mmm, yum, uh, that's, uh, that the warm lettuce somehow has some moisture still attached. Uh, as It was a bunny. Oh, I, mean, I forgot Nancy was in that. Nancy's that. in that. She's fantastic. Yeah. I love her. I love you, Nance. Uh, the second one was Chuck Heston. That was the plane hit the plane and all the, the people got sucked out of the plane. And 
That was that. Yeah, bad, bad, b a d, bad, and you know, really inappropriate for the time. I mean, the 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 Eric Estrada character. Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, and then there was the third one, which was Jack Lemon. I forget it was Jack Lemon in this one. He was the pilot. That was the plane that landed in the water and sank. Oh, really? Okay. There, there was like, and there's the fourth one with George Kennedy and the Concord. No, no, no. N- didn't watch. Not going to watch. But give Jack Lemon some credit. Actually, he made that one, the, the third one, actually somewhat watchable. Very. You've seen those movies? It seems like they made a few too many. I didn't know there was more than two. The first one is obviously great, but uh, I think indus- we might have uh, maybe should have stopped on one. Well, the first one's very different than the other ones. The first one is kind of more of just kind of the, the business structure of an airport. It's like watching like an employee introduction video only with big celebrities in it. And what do you do when there's a bomb on the plane? That sort of thing. Um, and and by the way, I don't. I do, that was the one thing I didn't buy was the the the, the couple. The guy's going to blow up the plane right in the first one. He's got his bomb, and apparently somewhere in Minneapolis was squalor a la 1890s London that that apparently these people existed in because they were only eating, like, scraps of crust from bread. I'm like, okay, when was this in Minneapolis? This is the 60s. I, you know, know, there's, you know, sure, Hennepin Avenue was a little risque back then. Who didn't like the Skyway Theater naked? But it... It wasn't nearly that bad. It wasn't some sort of Kensington street urchin world. <laughs> That's the thing, sort of how they portrayed it. Oh, God, the Chuck Heston one is bad, man. That is, and, the, and then, of course, they became this vehicle for all these crap actors and either has-beens or up-and-coming to basically go in there and just get one paycheck and just it was not good. Um who was who played uh, Saruman in Lord of the Rings? Uh, I don't know. I can look it up. Well, you don't. Um, Christopher, no, not Christopher Plummer. Um, yeah, do me a favor. Look that up. Uh, Saruman in, you know, in Lord of the Rings played Dracula in all those movies in the seventies too. Just fan, a great actor. He shows up in the third one with Jack Lemmon, which was actually kind of enjoyable there. But yeah, there wasn't a lot else good in that 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 movie. Although. Um, the the bad guy from Blood Simple, who is also the police chief in Blade Runner, he shows up in that one as a as a vet who's the the doctor on call, and that's actually he, he's kind of entertaining to watch because he's a he's a good he's a good hat there. Saruman is Christopher Lee. It's Christopher Lee. That's who it is. I was going to throw in Christopher Walken. No, I don't Chris- think it was. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Would have been a different. Sauron wants to know if you are willing to surrender. It would be a very different Lord of the Rings with Christopher Walken as Saruman. I take that. Let me tell you where I kept that glowing marble. It's not, I'm not proud about it. I'm not proud about it at all, but I got it back here. That would be a much better version of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205 is the phone number. I, I don't, yeah, it, you have to go, go watch uh, uh, Pulp Fiction and then <laughs> go watch Christopher Walken's speech in Pulp Fiction. And there you'll figure out where I was going with that. And no, I'm not very proud of myself at this point. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205 is the phone number. So I wanted to... Um, uh, there's a story I posted this morning on to bring me the news. 
about the Hennepin County Attorney making some of the state patrol employees refuse to cooperate in the Ricky Cobb case. Now, Ricky Cobb is the individual who was out on I-94 and was killed by state patrol. And they basically, as they were trying to, he was asking why they wanted to get out of the car. They wouldn't tell him. They were trying to drag him out of the car. He starts to drive away and they put three rounds into him, his belly, and then had the audacity to say, stay with me, buddy, as he was dying on the streets. The Hennepin County Attorney Mary Moriarty says some Minnesota State Patrol employees have refused to cooperate. Hmm. Boy, the irony of that, isn't it? He, he refused. Ricky Cobb refused to cooperate, and he got three bullets in the gut. Because, because what does the law enforcement people say? You should always cooperate with authority. And that's my point. It's a bit of a hypocrisy here, but it also is this idea that we are that that, that that somehow, some way, you can be, you know, a one of these absolute the right in this country and the police say we're absolute. You can't question us. You can't do anything. We are law and order. You have to trust our judgment. This is the entire thing with the SROs. People are asking the question. Say, wait a second here. Why do you need to put a thirteen-year-old in a chokehold? If they've not done anything to threaten anyone else and they just sort of say, well, we just need to in case we need to. And what they're really saying is this is, yeah, it does happen because there are bad cops and bad cops sometimes do bad things. And so the next time when someone actually has their camera out and on TikTok, there's a video of a cop in Minnesota choking out a 13 year old who basically the cop basically just didn't like the fact that they didn't like the shirt the kid was wearing. They want to have no accountability. Don't get me wrong. They'll get their stern wagon fingers out. They'll, they'll, they'll talk about how we're going to have remedial training. We're going to have remedial training on this officer. He clearly needs some remedial training. But they're not going to – they don't want to have the ability to say, no, you shouldn't be able to do that. You just should not be able to choke out a kid for reasons. And that's what the police want. And their argument is how dare you try to put regulations on us we are just, you know, absolute. We are law and order. We're this. How dare you question this? Which is a laughingstock. Because the reality is, is that, no, you, you, you should have the question of there, that the police themselves should be listening to what the public wants. And if the public put the Democrats in charge and the Democrats say, yeah, I don't think you should just randomly be able to choke out a 12-year-old. Well, I think that that should be something there. Instead, because Republicans are desperate to get some sort of campaign element to talk about, the the police who are pretty much pro-Republican because the Republicans have said, hey, we'll let you get away with anything as long as you basically keep endorsing us. They're basically throwing this big fit about how dare you try to stop? How dare you try to stop the police from choking out a 12-year-old? That 12-year-old deserved it. By the way, nothing I find is more... Is, is is less honest and less sincere than the officer after the fact, after they have clearly violated their 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 rules of their job, terrified, terrorized, victimized some young child, look at them and say, "Hey, you know, I, you know, I think we both learned a lesson here, and that you need to understand that I got to make sure of choices, and I just want to make sure you understand. You sign off on the fact that I just choked you. No, no. 
here you have a case where the police are absolute that they you got to trust us we're pro law and order and here it is there's an investigation into a shooting that left a man dead and the reason why they shot and killed Ricky Cobb is because they said he refused to cooperate. And now that there's just being basically an inquiry into the actions of that straight, state patrol officer, now what's happening? They're refusing to cooperate. Oh, but their refusal to cooperate, that's noble, whereas his was a death sentence. Shut up. No, this is this whole thing exposes the fraudulent argument that the police are absolute and above any repose. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. If Christopher Walken played Saruman, he would, he would say Rohan. Rohan. Ro- we are marching our forces of the Urukai to Rohan. That would get me to go back and watch Lord of the I- Rings again. <laughs> oh, God. Someone has to do this. Someone has to insert Christopher Walken into Lord of the Rings because that would. That would. <laughs> Wormwood. I need you to go do something for me. <laughs> oh gosh! If he, yeah, he, but he flew around that fat boy slim video. I mean, he could do that. As I mean, he's got wizard potential. Uh, nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Anyway, getting back to the story uh, about the police refusing to cooperate, which once again, in the case of Ricky Cobb, got him three bullets to the gut. Tuesday uh, On Tuesday, the attorney's office announced it had received the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension's investigation findings into the fatal July shooting. Moriarty said she had met with Cobb's family to update them and to recommit a fair decision-making process. Moriarty's office will now decide whether, based on the evidence from the BCA investigation, any charges will be brought against the troopers involved. Side note, I don't think there will be because, once again, the state law is basically written that all a officer has to do is say, I was scared! I was scared! And they basically can do whatever they want. In her statement, Moriarty said BCA agents informed her office that the employees refusing to cooperate are not the subject to the investigation itself, though. These are individuals who are not the subject to the investigation but may have relevant information. We're disappointed by this lack of cooperation as the family and the community and the troopers involved this incident all deserve answers, which is, once again, (laughs) refusing to... uh, to uh, cooperate is exactly the reason why Ricky Cobb got th- shot three times. Now I'm going. I know you're going to say, "Well, but I mean, when, when I refused to cooperate, it's it's it basically I wasn't trying to drive with a car." Fine, fine, fine. And like I said, I highly doubt there's going to be charges filed just because it would be a very th- thin line to th- to dance on if you were going to try to do this because the way that the Republicans have written state laws when it regards to police accountability. But I want to make sure we understand that this is this is just the absolute exposure that the idea that the police are absolute, that they are pure law and order is just an absolute freaking lie. Two weeks ago or so, we had the story out of, was it Murray County, where it sounds like what the Murray County Sheriff did was basically sabotage an investigation into his buddy for drinking and driving. 
So why did he do this? Not because his buddy wasn't guilty of drinking and driving, but because he decided what the law was, which means he's not law and order. He's just there for himself to protect him and his buddies. When the police went out hunting uh, Jaleel Stallings in Minneapolis and the hunting the people of Minneapolis, they basically were they, they weren't following the law at all. They were going on a hunting expedition, and still to this and, and still to this day, lied their ass off until the second all of a sudden the body cam video was getting released, and then all of a sudden the same police officers who said we're law and order, why would you ever question what we did? All of a sudden we're out there saying, you know, passions are going to be high when you watch these videos. We just want people to settle down. Oh, it's our responsibility now to accept your lack of following your own mantra and standards. This isn't employees of the Minnesota State Patrol saying, you know what, I disagree, I don't think he did anything wrong, but sure, I'll testify because I believe in law and order. That's not this. This is employees of the Minnesota State Patrol saying, I have determined that he has done nothing wrong, so I'm not even going to cooperate with the investigation. That's not law and order. That is CYA, cover your ass. That's all that is. They have made the decision that the truth does not matter. And I'm not saying, hey, I, once again, I don't think this officer is going to get prosecuted. The state patrol officer is going to get prosecuted because the state law basically states, I was scared, is a viable offense to blowing someone away on the highway. It is, thanks to the Republican Party. But at the same time, these employees have determined that law and order doesn't matter when it comes to their own. That they are somehow above law and order. They don't need to have accountability. They don't need to have consequences for their action. They have determined that we are the judge. We are the jury. We are basically have acquitted this guy, and so we're not going to help you. Not because they're pro-law and order, but because protecting their little club is more important than actual law and order. This is why it's a joke. These guys aren't law and order. They're only law and order when it's convenient for their narrative. But when it's Jaleel Stallings, it's, hey, you know, you know, people are going to watch these tapes and there are going to be some passion. You're already blaming people for being upset by your actions. You're not law and order. You're not law and order when it's that county sheriff basically letting his buddy go because, heaven forbid, his buddy get you know, held accountable for drinking and driving. And once again, I don't know what these people know, but clearly Moriarty feels that they know information that they're not sharing. And the reality is, is if they're not involved in this, there's no fifth, you know, they, they can't plead the fifth because there's no self-incrimination. It's just they have decided that they're going to not help, that they're going to basically try everything in their power by not speaking to prevent law and order from actually being achieved. And once again, law and order doesn't mean this officer is going to be held accountable in a court of law. It could mean that he basically, they determine, well, we can't charge him with a crime. But you see, it's, it's irrelevant because you have made a choice. Moriarty comes on out. You Say you did your job. You re, did talk to Moriarty and the, BC, the BCA. And Moriarty comes on out. Well, basically, then there's no argument. 
But now if Moriarty comes on out and says it's there, it's easy to say, well, that's because the cops circled the wagons and prevented anyone from being able to find out what was going on inside that agency. So just give it up. You're not law and order. You're only law and order when it's convenient and when it comes to you and your own in your own little club within the law enforcement agency, you're anything but law and order. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. By the way, I have a Justice Department briefing on the Minneapolis Police Department, which is really a hoot if you want to see what I'm talking about. 952-946-6205. Jeff Stein, when we do come back, it's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Stein's our national and presidential expert, noted author. You can find his books at Next Chapter Books as well as TotallyIowa.com. The Iowa Business Report, the Iowa Politics Report, come to us from KXEL in Cedar Falls, Waterloo. And he takes out an appetizer tray like Lauren Boebert at a Beetlejuice show. Hi, Jeff. How are you, my friend? Did you see the quote from Senator Fetterman? <laughs> what was that? There was something about... Um, yeah, because he was getting static for what he wore. Yes. And he said, I guess I need to go to musical theater, grab the hog, and then I'll be a full carol. And I thought, okay. <laughs> you do not want to get into a, a you know, a uh, insult war. <laughs> An insult war with Fetterman. I mean, that dude you can already tell has about 100 ready to go in the back of that noggin of his. So you do not want was, to go down there. It was just the phrase, grab the hog. And I thought, oh, all right then. Well, we're, 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 you want a, you want a dress code now, buddy? Hey, a, hey, look out. As I said, that's a stand-up double. He was looking for third, as a matter of fact. Uh, there you go. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, man. No, you're not. No, I'm That's not. I'm, you're not, really not sorry at I'm all. I'm not sorry. I like my show. Hey, okay, so let's start off with something we probably you probably weren't expecting. We're going to go to New Hampshire. Okay. You and I have talked about, ever since the overturning of Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. that the Republicans have been in trouble. Outside of very few, I think only one or two cases, every race seems to have shifted 10 to 15 points. Right. Republicans, basically the reason why their red tsunami basically was a, a dripping faucet last year was basically the, the abortion issue torpedoed them. And they have still not figured this out because in New Hampshire, Democrat Hal Rafter won a closely divided seat on Tuesday night. This is a district that Trump won. He won that seat by 12, which once again falls in these margins. This This differential is not going away. That the Republicans still have a very major problem. By the way, there's a special election in Pennsylvania, but that was a Pittsburgh seat, and it's supposed to have gone to the Democrat. The, the situation in New Hampshire is interesting. The, they're, 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 the legislature in New Hampshire is huge, but the Republicans have a one-seat majority now after this special election. And there's another special election coming where basically the, 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 the Democrats are expected to pick that seat up. 
And so the, the, in New Hampshire, this is actually going to cost – likely going to cost them the House. You've, this is a big problem for the Republicans and their whole goal of trying to turn the evangelicals against the LGBTQIA plus community, that's not resonated. And they are still, when it comes to an issue, their entire campaigns are getting knocked down by abortion. Did you hear the hue and cry from those on the right when Donald Trump went on Meet the Press this past Sunday and said – well, I need to sit down with both sides, and we need to, we can't have a total abortion ban, and there shouldn't be this, and there shouldn't be that. And he was just excoriated by those on the right as, well, you're not really pro-life. He was being pragmatic from a political standpoint. If anything we know about Trump, it's that he is pragmatic from a political standpoint. And... I don't think he's wrong about what he said, and you just made his point. But the party isn't listening, are they? They are not listening all the way to electoral defeat. But again, Matt McNeil can say it. Matt McNeil is right. Those words were hard to say, but Matt McNeil is. is right. I'm with you on that. <laughs> it's, it's just so, it's so uncomfortable. Uh, all right. So, so you're right about the issue. But then when Trump says the very same thing, in essence, you were pointing out, folks, you're going to have your something, your hog handed to you. They just they won't listen. They they go further to the right. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to figure out. I, I have had a hard time with the whole abortion issue. And you and I've talked about this because you're either it's either a moral issue or it's a political issue. And politicians try to take a moral issue, make it a political issue, and and they're disingenuous from the start. Because if you're going to tell me every life is sacred, then there should be no exceptions. Oh, well, we have to have exceptions. Okay, then stop taking such a strong moral view. I mean, all of this is is just gamesmanship. But to your point, Trump's the only one on the Republican side who has figured it out, well, and he's getting drilled for it. There are some other ones, some of the old school moderates who still, I guess you could call them moderates, who basically say we have to get away from the abortion issue. But here's that problem, I, and, and we're going to see it in Minneapolis, in Minnesota here next year when that, that Minnesota House is up. You're going to have a whole bunch of metro area Republicans running and screaming, I'm really a moderate. I'm going to support women's rights. But the reality is, and, and get, uh, get your thoughts on this, unless a state party actually changes its platform to basically say, we don't encourage abortion, but we're tolerant of a woman's right to choose up to, say, maybe 10, 12 weeks, whatever the case may be. If they don't change their official state platform, the buzzsaw they're running into is that far right that you talk about who basically the moderates in the Republican Party can't seem to get away from and always go back to endorsing. And and I think that that's a – unless it's in a state party platform, which is not going to happen soon, I don't think anyone's trusting the Republicans. Well, and here's why you shouldn't trust them. Because for 49 years you heard this is a state's rights issue. This should not be decided by the U.S. Supreme Court. So then the U.S. Supreme Court overturns a ruling. And then you get all these people on the right saying, now we need a national abortion ban. Wait, you just spent pushing three generations saying it was a state issue, and now all of a sudden you want to make it a federal issue? The very thing that you didn't want your opponents doing 
it, it's it's uh, it's laughable in terms of the disingenuousness of it mm-hmm. on the part of some of these people. It's either a state's issue or it's not a state's issue. But you can't all of a sudden say, well, now that we've, quote, won, we want it to be a federal. It just makes no sense whatsoever. And that's why you can't trust people. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also this issue specifically woke up Generation Z. And they have had really good turnout numbers. We looked at Wisconsin and that Supreme Court race that, that was, you know, the, the, the numbers there were out, out, out off the charts when it came to young voters. This is something as their voting base gets older and unfortunately is passing away, there is this brand new voting base that they're trying to bring up, that they're, they're trying to win over, but they can't do it because, frankly, this is it's, – it's an issue which is so toxic for them. But unless they figure out some way is – the, is there some way that they could present this outside of what I just said where you, you actually go on and have a state party change? I just don't think anyone's trusting them because – for years, as you said, for decades, they've said, we're going to get rid of it. And now that it's gone, now the same people the next day were like, what do you mean we're going to get rid of it? We weren't. We never said that. Well, and, and the problem is, and I don't mean to make light, this is such a serious emotional personal issue. Uh, but, you know, they're acting like the dog who chases a car and then catches the car. It's like, well, damn, what do I do with this? I don't have opposable thumbs. I can't drive. Yes. Okay, they finally caught the car with no idea of what to do. They've been fundraising on it. They've been preening and posturing about it, and they had no idea of what to do when it finally happened. And by the way, it's not like that decision came out of left field. I mean, you expected that decision when you saw the makeup of the court, did you not? I mean, at least in some part. So you can't be there on the right and say, whoa, well, that was a gift. No, everybody saw it. So the fact that they're ill-prepared to move forward is shame on them. Well, in and, essence. and they stacked the court specifically to get that ruling. I mean, that's that was kind of the case. Y- y- have you seen any of the ads that are coming out right now? I mean, in the in Kentucky, that state race down there, there's a very powerful ad with a, a young a young woman who was raped by her stepfather at 12. And he you know, and she's basically saying that Republican governor was going to tell me that the Republican governor candidate wants to tell me I don't have any options there. How cruel is that? And then there's a national ad where it's a, a dad trying to get his daughter taken care of. And this Republican politician shows up and says, I won the election. I get to decide what's best for your daughter, not you. And I'm going to keep an eye on her to prevent her from doing anything I've deemed to be illegal. Those are both very powerful messages. And once again, unless the the Republicans go out there and actually start changing state platforms, I don't see how they're getting away from this. Well, as far as state platforms, uh, you know, we pay attention to it. You you do. I do. This audience does. But how many times I mean, let's say you're a Republican and you're not able to you want to run away from the, the state platform. You can say, well, you know, practically, we, we just can't get enough support. Uh, those Democrats get in the way. I mean, it's disingenuous. All right. But that's what you're going to wind up hearing. The thing that gets me is, and again, I'm going for hypocrisy and disingenuousness here. So, you know, let's not everybody show us your shocked faces at once. But the very same people who say that it should be the parent who determines what happens to their child when it has to do with gender assignment are the ones who say, well, no, you don't know when it has to do with this other issue. Okay, it's either a state's issue or it's not. It's either that parents rule or they don't. And I'm finding it, you know, they're just running into themselves in terms of inconsistencies. Uh, Merrick Garland went up to Capitol Hill to go face off with the House Judiciary Committee. 
Well, this sounds like the start of a very bad joke. Oh, well, it is actually a joke. I mean, I did, hey, okay, yeah, so, went up to Capitol Hill. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> there, you've seen a six-year-old with too much candy in them, right? <laughs> no, that's, that's why I did not have children. But I understand from you the results. Okay. You get them. They're hyper. They, yes. can, they can't stop talking. They can't stop screaming and yelling. I can't tell you how it was – I don't know if the Republicans thought they were going to get aha moments, but I was watching some of these this testimony, and I can't even figure out how Fox News is going to just take clips from this to try to make Merrick Garland look bad. Because the reality is, is that these Republicans like a child with too much candy in them. Well, why don't you answer this? Uh, well, answer this. Uh, well, answer this. I seed my time, and you're like, and it was there was there was no thought process of how do you set up Garland to possibly have a good attack. It was just a Everything coming out at once. I'm not going to let him speak. I'm going to ask him a bunch of questions, and I don't care about the answers. I'm just going to run through them, and I I, I see my, the rest of my time. And and it was it was over and over and over again. The Republicans just look like I mean, like I said, if this is, I think they're just they 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 so want to make their narrative true. They don't realize if you want to try to even make that happen, you can't just go on out there and do a howler monkey exhibit. Well, just because you say it doesn't make it true, and I don't care who it is and what the topic is, just because you say it doesn't make it true. But what was the point of bringing him forward today? They were trying to, they were trying to set up the Hunter Biden thing. That's, that's, it seems to be. Okay. Do you think he's going to fall for a trap? Do you really think he's going to fall for a trap? I mean, let's say for the sake of this small part of the conversation that the Republicans have all the evidence they need, that they are in the right on this, that they have everything. Do you really think by calling the attorney general in, he's going to say, oh, you caught me? No. Okay. And so what you wind up with then. He's going to be, he's going to be Michael Lindell holding his document in front of him with all his admissions. He's just going to hold it up and just point at it. And, and, uh, it's, see, this is the problem. It's like, ah, oh, we're going to get you. This is not his first day. No. Okay. And so if they want, the the um, posturing for the news channels or their own re-election ads of there I held him accountable. No, you didn't. No, you, not really. just, he's not going to say why even go through it. Well, we know why they go through it. They go through it. I mean, when I said why they bring him up, and you said well they want to set up. No, they just want to see themselves on television. Yeah, see, I held him accountable. You're right. No, that's that's exactly it. It was more about their television time. But they, yes. if there was a if there was a political goal there, it was the Hunter sure. Biden thing. But they, no. I mean, at one point the guy's talking about how he wants to persecute all. Catholics, which once again, Joe Biden's a Catholic. So that was, I don't know where you're going with that. And the one guy bringing up the naked bike ride in Madison, I'm like, you guys are all over the place. I mean, it's, if you really wanted to do this, and it, by the way, I think this also shows me they themselves don't have anything really on Hunter Biden, because if they had something, they could have at least turned that into a really, you know, kind of gone, gone micro on it and basically honed in on that. And the fact that they, each one of these guys was all over the place just tells me they don't have any and they this is basically they were expecting him to admit to his plot like he's a bad batman villain there's a lot of hunter biden stuff there that doesn't mean that it's joe biden stuff okay that's just number 1 so i i think they've got hunter stuff but hunter gave them stuff that, yeah. that's a different whole thing as far and you were right in your answer cuz you're thinking well from governmental standpoint we want to get him to no it, it's just nothing more than pr Mm -hmm. And it's 
what's really ridiculous about it is that it tends to backfire in the way you, that you're talking about. There are times, and I don't know if you have the same thing with your fine audience here, but when I'm doing a program, sometimes I'm interviewing a, a politician, elected official, and I will have people text or email or, you know, flaming arrow to the door of the studio, and then they, and they say, you know, ask about this, or why don't you ask more about that? Yes. Well, look, when I ask the first time and they deny it, what am I supposed to do? Ask a second time, hoping I get a different answer? You know, I mean, if I get talking points the first time, they've memorized it. Let's move on to a different topic where we might actually get some light as, you know. But it's one of these things that Merrick Garland was not going to say anything other than his opening statement, which is, I'm not the president's attorney. And oh, by the way, I'm not yours either. Okay. I don't know other than um, sound bites for back home, creatively edited. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here saying, Government's going to shut down in 10 days. The five-year farm bill expires, some portions of it, in 10 days. You're not even meeting each one of the working days of the 10 calendar days. And this is what you thought was the most important thing to do on September 20th? And I've got senators saying, well, you know, those, uh, those appropriations bills originate in the House. Those scamps over in the House. Come on. Yeah. Get a big enough room. Sit down. Come up with a strategy. Don't even send pizza in until you come up with the answer. I mean, when you, when you look back, this is a little far off, but you get the point. The House took six weeks off for the August recess, which is now the district work period. Why was there traditionally, Matt, an August vacation away from Washington? Because Washington is a cesspool weather-wise without air conditioning in August. Malaria and, and yellow fever. Seriously, malaria and right, yellow fever. Right. So they said, let's go home. And it's become tradition. So there's no reason to do it now because, again, we have modern medicine and air conditioning. So when you have these people sitting at home, and I'm not saying they didn't travel a district. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Because there are state fairs to go to. God knows, I'm good with that. But when in the middle of the vacation, the six-week off vacation, they say, well, I don't think we can get a budget passed now. We're going to need a continuing resolution. Go to work, for crying out sakes. Uh, I, well, somebody, it, needed, somebody needs either more or less coffee today. I apologize. No, you're perfectly, you're, you're spot on. And we'll talk more about that in a second. I will say this, right. just to clarify what you're talking about with Garland, just before we go to break here. You're right. It wasn't about Hunter because they do have some things that they're going after Hunter for, but they're trying to discredit Merrick by saying you're personally interceding in the, the Hunter yeah. Biden things, which shows you can't be trusted when it comes to investigating Joe Biden and in turn Donald Trump, which once again, they failed spectacularly at getting anything because they don't have any they don't really have any connection between Hunter Biden and Joe Biden outside of, you know, they wish there was some grand conspiracy. Oh, by the way, uh, Ivanka's got how many Chinese trademarks? Uh, never mind. Anyway, uh, we'll take a break. Come back. Let's talk about the absolute Republican Party just devolving at this point in regards to this budget bill. Nine, five, two, nine, four, six, six, two, oh, five. Jeff Stein, when we come back more of him when we come back, it's the Matt McNeil show right here on AM 950. Not the Eagles, though. Not 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 the, the, not the band, right? Just the birds, right? They could make I a special appearance. Like, they're would, not going to promise anything. That would be great. 
Uh, it is the Matt McNeil show. Part of their uh, farewell tour again. Farewell tour play. We're is, playing. Is there anyone left, sadly, for the farewell I, tour? I don't know. Well, okay. No, I, I don't know. Uh, Timothy B. Schmidt. Is that it? Is Timothy B. Schmidt actually the only one left? Wow, he might be. Uh, anyway, needless to say, side note, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Wait, wait a minute. This conversation getting derailed? What? Uh, well, <laughs> All right. Wow. So uh, Joe Biden's in the U.N. looking fairly presidential, uh, standing by Ukraine. Uh, fairly decent speech there. I'd love to watch the, the Russians squirm. That was good fun. That being said, meanwhile, over at the Capitol, uh, are we going to see Matt Gates? And uh, Speaker McCarthy actually get into fisticuffs at some point because this really does not seem to be getting any better. And at this point, you would expect, as you were talking about, you'd expect to see some smoothing out of differences on the Republican side with these budget bills. The defense budget, they've had to pull these budget votes out of the way so they can't fail. I I, I think the, this far right of the Republican Party feels that this is the hill they're going to, to, to make their last stand and – they're going to make this as painful for McCarthy as it has to be? Well, McCarthy, you know, again, I've never met him, never talked to him, don't know him, but it seems that he wanted to be Speaker of the House. Oh, yeah. Not that he had an agenda of things he wanted to do. And so that's the biggest problem, is that he he has the title, but he didn't really have an agenda, still doesn't have an agenda, and because he could not articulate that well enough during the election cycle, they did not win that great a majority. It was five votes. There are now two fewer, two vacancies in the House, one Democrat, one Republican. So now there, it's only a four vote difference. And, you know, if you remember back during the, uh, the speaker debacle in January, yeah, I mean, um, some they had to hold McCarthy back from coming out, you know, and slugging Gates at one point. Then he became his best, uh, you know, hog grabbing butt. I'm sorry, that's just the the thing today. Hog grabbing buddy when he uh, got the the last vote to come across the line, so McCarthy could be speaker. And so now Gates is saying, "Where's mine?" Mm-hmm. And you know, McCarthy made a deal with the devil to hold the gavel, and I don't blame him this week for saying, "You want it? Come get it. Come take it from me." But now you've got Chip Roy saying, well, you know, if McCarthy works with the Democrats to get this CR passed, it's not going to be good for him. You know, at some point, if I'm McCarthy, I take the nameplate down, put it under my arm and walk. Well, and, and, and really quick here, because he, he yeah. does have this deal already set up with Biden to basically pass a bill. I, yeah. I, I understand the far right can be you know, screaming about this, but they've known about this. They're trying to re, you know, rewin a game after the game's over. And and the reality is, is he could put that bill out there. I imagine, especially with Biden's help, that he'd have the votes to get it passed out of the House. Oh, probably so. But here's the, you know, very quickly, the the headline I saw today was Republicans content to be villains in the government shutdown. Good. Okay, if that's where you're at, <laughs> holy cow. Moose and squirrel. You're, surrender- <laughs> you're surrendering already? Oh, I wish I'd known. I would have brought up my moose and squirrel sound effect. You've already given up. You're the villain. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, they, good, good, this is good government, boys and girls. This is, this is an absolute train wreck, but we saw this coming a long time ago. Uh, yes, Jeff Stein, I'll post the Iowa politics report later. You can listen to this again on the weekend. Thanks, Jeff. Hour two is up next. Hour number two of the show here on... Your Wednesday, Matt and Brett here. Twins win this afternoon. They had 
you can tell it's September in baseball season. We got games that start before noon locally. Five <laughs> three, uh, they beat the uh, the uh, dreaded, hated, despised Cleveland or Cincinnati Reds. Uh, I don't know. Actually, when was the last time we even played the Cincinnati Reds? Yeah, they did a weird schedule. Too much interleague baseball for my liking this year in the schedule. Uh, how about this? They were down three two into the ninth. Farmer singles right. Uh, Castro scores. Jorge. Polanco, who I think is the key to this team winning in the postseason, Jorge Polanco, who has been hitting lately like the Jorge Polanco I love and adore, man crush. Uh, he singled to right with two outs in the bottom and the top of the ninth, scored two runs, and uh, they basically take the lead five three at that point, and they go on to win. So the big sports story though tonight is the Minnesota Lynx taking on the Connecticut Sun. Right? Is that it then? I believe so, yeah, the third and deciding game. At home, which is, that is, is it just because it's too expensive, the WNBA doesn't have the travel budgets to do home game, road game, home game? Because they did two home games for the the, the top seed, and now the clinching game has to be on the road. That does, That's almost as bad as when you see the Frozen Four have the the four seed in a, in a, in a bracket basically hosting the, the, the games. I mean, it, it, that doesn't seem fair at all. Yeah, I'm not sure I... They must have switched their format uh, to the WNBA playoff because I thought it used to be just a typical eight-team single elimination for, like, the first round. Then they go best of five. Did they? I mean, I, I, they might have switched. Yeah, I could be wrong. Uh, they, we got a home game. Uh, do we, are there tickets still left of the game? I imagine there are. They usually – they even. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get, bet they're not great seats, but I'm, there are going to be tickets tonight. Uh, I am a huge fan of women's basketball, and I'm going to be honest with you. I think I like it more than men's basketball. I had, back when I was in my my younger days, back when I was at the flagship for the Iowa State Cyclones, um, I was the new guy at the station. Everyone wanted to go to the men's basketball team. That's a, they all wanted to do that. No one wanted to go to the women's basketball team. I said, I'll go do it. And so I would, I'd be the guy in the press row. Occasionally, I'd have to step away, and, I, and I'm talking real occasionally. I think I only did it twice, where I was giving updates on ESPN Radio during the game. They, when they were playing, they were ranked, and they were playing another ranked team. Bill Fenley was the coach back then. And I was like, and, and here we are. I, you know, Iowa State is leading at half right now. Here's this person, this person, this person. Uh, they're coming out uh, you know, the second half uh, you know, ch- shortly. You know, Back to you, that sort of thing. But most of the time, it was just kind of local updates and stuff. And I had to go out during the second half and host the full court basketball shot, which was you know they you know the guy had to, you know he hit it and you get like a hundred pounds of pork, which is a good deal. I'm just going to say, you know, depend you know, you're getting some good quality pork there. Did they let you try it? Well, the pork <laughs> and the shot, I guess, both of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. All of a sudden, I'm Dr. J when it comes to meat being on the line. It's like woo, there it is. Actually, I got I, I guess I did it every game. I got to the point where I towards the, the and I would just do a practice one and show them. Here's what you want to do. I ended up hitting it like three times. I got to a point where I just kind of started figuring out how hard I had to throw it from mid court. It wasn't a full court; it was mid court. I'd throw it from mid court, and I kind of I just targeted it right. It would hit, and everyone then they look at me like, "See, easy." <laughs> so, but I got to actually to watch uh, women's basketball, and I got to tell you, I just I I appreciate the game. I appreciate. The half court setup, the setting up of your defense, the setting up of your offense. It's it's just, if I can say, it, I, I'm just men's basketball. I, I a guy taking five steps in the paint because they're too terrified because he might have a, a, a an ESPN quality highlight there. They don't blow the whistle for freaking traveling anymore, 
or the guy comes flying into a guy whose legs are clearly planted and they'll call the foul on the guy who was who was defending correctly. I just I, I just it's about showboating. It's not about it's not about quality. That's when they even go into the paint anymore. Now everyone just takes threes in the men's game. Well, yeah, let's go on a fast break. Three on one. Let's chuck up a three. <laughs> oh, I'm too far in. I got to get back out. How many times do you see that now? Yeah. Oh, it's garbage. Links, love you. Uh, you, you, you're, you're, you're playing with house money at this point. So, you know, go out there, play your best, all my best tonight. And hopefully you guys get the nice win and you can move into the second round and everyone go support the links out there because they're the one team in town who has been delivering at any point. Well, go for hockey, go for hockey in them. Thank you. I know you're still believing in the Vikings going 15 and two now. God. I, I I would I do feel bad for the, the San Diego Chargers. I don't th- I think that there's going to be a lot of urgency and purpose on that Vikings team this week. So we'll well, I'm betting they'll yeah they'll win yeah nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. By the way, if I can, I mentioned that the 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 ads that are now airing when we were talking with Jeff last hour in some states and na- nationally that are basically calling out the Republicans for this no exceptions you know stuff that they're saying. Where, you know, they're basically, you know, this is these are the Republicans. And the problem with Republicans have is that you have become betrothed to the extremist far right MAGA conspiracy theory, nutbag extremists. That is who controls the party. And look at how much trouble Mike uh, Speaker McCarthy is having just trying to yank that, you know, just some sort of semblance back from them. And there's there's potential of an outright revolt. And so you're going to have, and I want to make sure we, we're very clear here, and we'll, we'll actually get a preview of this down in 52B with that, that special election house race down there. Because I guarantee you the Republican in that district is not going to be. I don't know where you get the idea that I'm against abortion. Women should have rights. These are tough choices, but I don't think things should be absolute. You have to remember that when it comes to any kind of session, the more far right the par- of the party controls what the moderates do. And they can't get away from this. And so here's the ad I would run if I'm the DFL in this state, because this is pretty brutal. I would run, do you, you know, saying, do you remember this politician? Hey, I know that I campaigned to stop abortion for generations, but now that it's gone and it's a bad issue for us, I'm now for women's rights. Fast forward six weeks or six months when they're in session with the Republicans. Hey, uh, far-right Republican guy. Hey, we're going to pass this uh, complete ban on all abortion in the state. But but my, I campaigned against it. My constituents will vote me out of office if I do that. Well, you, know, you shouldn't have promised that. We're going to just do this. And if you dare go against us, we'll primary you with some nutbag loon that, yeah, we'll lose, but you'll be gone. Okay, fine. I'll go along with you. Do not trust Republicans. Do not trust Republicans. They are eagerly, eagerly looking for an opportunity to go out there and take away your rights. So highly recommend, highly, highly, highly recommend that you, uh, you know, just keep that in mind because they're all, every one of them, all of them are going to go out there and, hey, yeah, gee willikers, I don't know where you got, no, that's, we're, we're not, we're, we, we don't hold us accountable. 
Yeah, you should hold them accountable. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. I want to give MinPost some interesting credit. So this is a story that actually broke about 10 days ago, 12 days ago, that they put out there. But I haven't had a chance to talk about it. I wanted to actually give them credence here because they they have made a decision in regards to the comment sections on their stories, that they're no longer going to publish comments from the readers on these stories. What they discovered, though, is something I want everyone to take to heart. So I'm going to read the article here. MinPost has been publishing reader comments on stories since its founding in 2007 as a way to encourage civil, thought-provoking, and high-quality public discussion. We've encouraged the public to engage with our editors and writers and with other comment posters. But after a careful review of story comments over the past year and an assessment of the resources it takes to manage comments, including the co- core of amazing volunteer moderators, MinPost editors have decided to stop publishing comments on all stories starting today. And I believe this was once again the 9th of September. Before I explain the decision in more detail, I want to emphasize MinPost's continued commitment to our reader engagement and to creating spaces where readers can connect with our newsroom and to each other. Now more than ever, Minnesota needs civic conversations to help surface uh, solutions to complicated problems and create connections between people who can work together to strengthen their communities. MinPost and other news organizations play a key role in sparking these conversations and connections. Here are the factors that went into our decision to stop publishing comments. Number one, comment quality. Our editors and volunteer moderators have noticed the quality of comments deteriorate in recent years. You think? Uh, (laughs) The comment section is deteriorating. Who would have? Hey, we'll say this. It took a sharp turn in 2015. In 2015, these comments and the comments I get, they took a sharp turn. And it's been a cesspool ever since. So, yeah. We see more comments picking fights with each other or having off-topic conversations with little or nothing to do with the story on the page. Agreed. I, that is, that's, yeah. I you want to know the truth. Is, this is why, I, one of the reasons I do like MinPost. That's actually something that a lot of places don't have the guts to admit, but it's 100% spot on. That the, the, the comment section has become accessible. Reminder, when we used to do Onions and Orchids, which I miss that segment so much, where we went to the Masabi Daily Times up in the Iron Range, and they had an Onions and Orchids, which was like a good news, bad news thing. And they used to do it anonymously, which was insanely stupid, but hilarious. And so it was always these just this brutal rip-on session because of these anonymous posters. Well, apparently they must have gotten sued or threatened a lawsuit so they basically said you can no longer enter into Onions and Orchids anonymously. And what happened? Immediately all the negative comments stopped because the cowards basically ran away. They live for their anonymity. They live for their, 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 their lack of, of, of accountability. They, that's what they live for. It, it, we used to live in a society, and this is not saying this is a better society, but the society has changed. Society used to be – if a guy came up to you and started insulting your mother to your face, someone's eating the pavement here fairly quickly. You know, you just didn't do that. Now you can do this from your mom's basement and rip on people because mega. And then basically when you say all of a sudden, okay, we're going to hold you accountable. Well, I don't want anyone to know who I am. So, yeah, completely. I can, like I said, it's, it's nice to see someone actually say that. Point number two. 
Comment participation trends. Now, this was fascinating. Editors analyzed the last year of comments and found that of 19,000 approved comments for the site, 55% of them were by 20 people. 55% of 19,000 comments, which, you know, do your math, that means close to over 10,000 of the 19,000 comments came from 20 people. 20. 77% were made by 50 people. MinPost goals around source diversity and engaging and serving communities across the state require us to be intentional and to ensure we're including and reflecting the views of our broader audience. Dedicating resources to the commenting space dominated by a small group is not furthering these goals. Holy God, if once again I can point out this extremism, this far extremism that we have in this country is an insanely small part of this country. But because the squeaky wheel gets the grease, a.k.a. they get the coverage, they get into the comment sections, they control the narrative, a handful of people, 20 people, did 10,000 comments. Let me, let me just I want to just do the math here if I can. Yeah, I was curious about that too. I mean, you're spending a lot of time focusing on your uh, comments. I mean, at that point, just get a social media account. Uh, it goes. So 10,450 comments came from 20 people, all right? 450. 10,450 divided by 20. So this will just equal out how many people made this. That's 522.5 comments per person per year. Wow. And that is, yeah. This is just the last year. I'm just double-checking. That's in one year. 20 people made 522 comments, which is basically one and two-thirds comments every day. They were they're unbelievable. They just basically sit on the site and make comments and comment and comment. That's all they do. And my guess would be is that there's probably one or two of those people who are doing most of the commenting. And they're probably doing three or four comments per day because that's kind of what they feel their job is, is to basically make sure no story goes without their narrative being attached to it. This is reminder. When you look at MAGA, when you look at these screaming loon balls, when you look at these, 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 the, 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 the basket of deplorables that are out there, it is a very small group. And what makes them powerful is is the fact that they can push their narrative as strongly as they can because the news media... Edward R. Murrow. I thought about this today. Edward R. Murrow or Walter Cronkite would have looked at a guy like Ron DeSantis and said to him, you're a circus clown. Do you have anything actually that you want to talk about? Because you're not... You're just basically putting out stuff that no one cares about. And that would have been the end of him. The media today... The first thing they do is try to give Ron DeSantis's lunacy validation so that they can print it so they can make it seem like they're doing something good. That's the crazy part. That's the freaking crazy part of where we're at today. I Once again, I commend MinPost for pointing this out and doing the research on that. Uh, the final note here, editorial capacity and priorities as a nonprofit, MinPost has relied on volunteers willing to read and approve comments. And we're extremely grateful for their commitment and dedication over the years. One of our newsroom editors has been managing the volunteer schedule and staff sometimes must fill in when that volunteer is unavailable. So basically they don't have the staff to do it. 
Taking all these factors into consideration, it makes sense for MinPost to end comments and redeploy our resources to engage with readers in other ways. We're also encouraging uh, readers who want to express their opinion to consider writing and submitting community voices. But you have to put your name with it. I've done it because I've done a bunch of those. Uh, In addition to thanking our volunteer comment moderators, I would like to thank our readers for sharing their insights, perspectives, and humor in the comments section over the years. I look forward to hearing from you in the decision uh, going uh, forward, please do use feedback for comments on stories, news tips. Editors monitor the inbox during the day if you want to make something comment there. I'm not saying everyone that made a comment on these stories was a negative comment or just was a bad comment or even if it was a bad comment, it was only coming from the right. But we all kind of know where this was going because I dive into this freaking cesspool every damn day. I want Elon Musk to start charging me for Twitter. That gives me the justification to shut that sucker down. It gives me the justification saying goodbye, so long, sayonara, see you later, bye. And trust me, my life would be so much better without Twitter in it. So I get it. I get it completely. This is the same thing that happened to Onions and Orchids. Uh, that they basically when they they, they said we got to people put people's names on these things and all of a sudden all the bad guys went away. They'll head over to um, what's the what's the uh, the 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 neighborhood social media site. Uh, you know which one? Oh 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 uh, yeah. Why can't I think of it either? Uh, next door. Next door. They're yeah. gonna go to their next door app and talk about Aisha minority. Ah! That's where you're going to get it. That's a, that's why, once again, I will not have a next – I have an OnlyFans page, and I do not have a next door, next door app page. That tells you everything right there. I Hey, I've got some standards. By the way, if you can find my, my, my OnlyFans page, no one found it yet. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. You'll never guess it. Never mind. Never mind. I'm not, I good luck. I don't want to encourage people to go to that site too either. Really, if you want to know the truth, but good luck. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM nine fifty. By the way, Brett and I just realized something with the Minpo story. MinPost doesn't post stories on the weekend, which means that they're only posting stories 261 days a year because that's how many weekdays there are, which means that if someone is posting 522.5 comments per year, that's two a day, every day, every day, Christmas is on a weekday. Every, well, they don't. They take breaks for the holidays too. Mm-hmm. My God, man! Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. So, one of the things we've learned here, if you've not been paying attention for the last uh, thirteen and a half years of this show, you don't mess with the Adina cops. You just don't do that because they are well, well funded, and they have resources up the wazoo to apply to any kind of threat. Officials with the Dinah Public Schools say three campuses were closed today after concerning messages were left on the school's voicemail. According to school officials, the Dinah police were contacted after two messages were left at Normandale's voicemail 
Um, the police are working to determine the credibility of the messages. Due to the messages, Superintendent Stacy Stanley says the Adani Community Center, Southview Concord campuses, closed on Wednesday. The closure also includes Normadale Early Learning Center and the Spanish Dual Language School. Campuses will be closed. Please do not drop your children off at the campuses. Stanley said in an email sent to parents last week. The threat posted a Snapchat, prop, a Snapchat prompted school officials in Adana to switch Adana High School and Valley, Middle, Valley View Middle School to online learning. A 17-year-old Minneapolis boy has since been charged. And we should mind you on that case there, on the Snapchat case. He made his threat one afternoon. He was arrested the next morning. We're talking little more than 12 hours. So I wonder how Adina's uh, doing on the one that happened. Oh, they've already found the people that are involved. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God. You do not mess, man. What are you doing? You do not mess with they, – they, they have like that CSI team, one of the good ones, not, 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 not Miami. No, uh, they, you know, one of the better ones, New York. We'll go – I like Gary's – New York. We'll go CSI New York. A threatening message that caused the closure of three Adina schools at the community center on Wednesday were made by two girls, the police say. The Adina Police Department says it has identified a 10-year-old and 11-year-old girl in connection with the two threats towards Normandale Middle School. The threats were made around 7.30 a.m. this morning. It's four this afternoon. That's seven hours. Nine hours. Okay, I didn't do math very well. Nine hours. And that's – when did this story get published? An hour ago. It took them eight hours. Eight hours to track this down. The threats were made at 7.30 this morning. Edina PD says an investigation conducted in partnership with the Bloomington Police Department led to the identification of girls who have been released to their parents and are now awaiting possible charges. The girls are not current or former students at Edina. There's no threat to the public. Well, you, you, know, you got to the and found out part of the equation. On Friday, Edina High School and Valley View School, that were closed. I mentioned that already. Eight hours. These are not kids in the school district, mind you. I want to make sure we understand this. These are not kids in the school district. These are kids in Bloomington. So I'm going to guess either Kennedy or, or Jefferson. I don't think Bloomington kids go to any other schools, but Kennedy or Jefferson. I don't Jefferson. think they do either. No. Yeah, so I think that, that it's it, – unless they go to a charter school or a private school or something like that. Or I guess they could open and roll. But they are not Edina students. In, <laughs> they tracked you down – that is lightning fast. What do you guys need to see to say to yourself, yeah, we probably don't want to mess with anywhere. <laughs> that is like, that's like drones following you everywhere. It is, seriously, is RoboCop going to come get these kids? I wouldn't be surprised they have a RoboCop. Have you seen the budget they have? They, they've got some coin, man. They've got some coin in a dyna. I heard it's self-aware, too. No, it is. And, and, and of course it would be. I mean, it, you know, we, we should now get ready to bow down to our, you know, police, you know, cyber human overlords from the Adana Police Department soon because, you know, one day when they figure this out, what the heck am I doing this for you for? You know, that, that, once, that, once that statement happens, it's magic time. Anyway, until that point, I would not try to break the law in Adina because they – bad boys, bad boys, what you're going to do? Dear Lord, I can't even comprehend how quickly they find these people. And yet people are still too stupid to, to get out of their own way. Huh? Ugh. Youth. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205.
We'll come back. Uh, a story about water and how outstate Minnesota might really be screwed. we got to talk about this. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. 952-946-6205. is the phone number. I want to bring up this story. Speaking of MinPost, this one ran in MinPost. I'm going to read quite a bit from this story. But the main thing that we need to kind of start understanding, we had the New York Times story from a week and a week and a half ago, which talked about the the the, 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 the farms that basically blasted through their water allotment and were draining off the aquifers underneath Minnesota uh, to to you know for their crops at the at, at the expense. I mean, the the easy thing is, well, Matt, we still gotta grow crops, huh? Huh? Come on, Matt. Why are you against the farmers? Well. Part of the problem is is that all of a sudden now all these communities, particularly in the northwestern part of the state and the southwestern part of the state, now have real big problems with their water tables and their wells are running dry and it's creating really big problems. In some cases, these, these towns don't have the money to dig down and get more water. And, and they also have to understand is they can't just dig down 10 feet because these farms are just sucking every drop of water out of the ground they can. So it's a pretty big problem. There's a more interesting problem emerging with the water in the southeastern part of the state. Burn, Minnesota. This is B-E-R-N-E. This is kind of uh, west of Rochester. It was a hot afternoon in mid-July. 60-year-old Brian Benaret was making a pilgrimage of sorts, navigating a shotgun-straight gravel road south of Minneapolis on a journey through the landscape stitched with a crop and livestock farms as far as the eye can see. Benaret is one of only three surviving members of the third generation of the Benarets who once farmed along a mile-long stretch of County Road B west of where it intersects with State Highway 57. As a long-haul truck driver, Benaret rarely gets back here, but with a visitor at his side, he finds his way. From the passenger seat of the rented vehicle, he scans both sides of the road, then points to a dust-scoured barn leading into the, leaning into the wind. The building is all that remains of his family's farmstead, which once encompassed 200 acres, a home large enough for the Benaret's parents to raise five boys and a girl. Down the road a bit further, he recognized his neighboring properties. There was the Glarner, Glarner Farm, the Spryder Farm, the Siri Farm, all the connected by circumstances of geography, topography, agriculture, and social commerce. All also are joined by cancer and disease. Among those four families who lived for decades on County Road B, 12 people developed cancer and seven died. By the way, just in case you're wondering, that's a lot for one area. Twelve. Of those four families developed cancer and seven died. Benaret was one of three people who developed lymphoma. The disease nearly killed him in 1983 when he was 20 years old. His father and three brothers could not survive their own bouts with cancer. He lost four family members to cancer. For some, County Road B has a different name, Cancer Road. Every farm family along here has been affected. Everyone said Benaret. Though the causes of the cancers are not proven, a key suspect 
suspected culprit is believed to be the elevated levels of nitrates that have contaminated the drinking water for County Road B families, just as they do throughout U.S. farm country. Nitrates commonly flow into well water and other water sources as runoff from fields treated with commercial fertilizer and livestock manure. Over the last decade, a growing number of peer-reviewed medical studies have linked exposures to nitrates in drinking water to elevated incidences of cancer. Our farming is killing us. Many of the county, read, county road B cancers, breast, blood, colon, lymphoma, have been specifically associated with medical studies in the U.S. and overseas with exposures to nitrates in drinking water. The groundwater in the area has the highest level of nitrates in Dodge County, according to the county's water monitoring data. The wells used by each of the families contain nitrate levels well above what authorities consider safe, the data shows. Now, I want to stop really quick. and I'll get more back into the story in a second. But I want to make sure we understand, what does that mean? It means they have no water. Their wells are poisoned. So that unless they're getting water pumped out to their rural farmhouses from the nearest metro area, and I use the term metro area fairly loosely, the only option they have for water that's not poisoned is bottled water and I guess rain when they need to take a shower. And if you haven't seen lately, it hasn't been raining that much. Their water is is broken. They they can't use the water in the ground. I want to... It, <laughs> And by the way, we're not talking about the amount of water that's coming out of that ground spraying on crops now, whoever's growing crops over there, and what's that doing to the food that it's growing? It's basically turned it, – it, it's killed 12 people. It's turned an area of farm country into toxic landscape. And we still don't know the full consequences of what's happening with all that water, with all that nitrates in it being sprayed onto the crops itself. It's eyebrow-raising when you have this cluster in this area where you have high levels of nitrates and kidney cancers and bladder and breast cancers, said Paul Matheson, a science program director of the environmental advocacy group Clean Wisconsin. He acknowledged that it is often difficult to pinpoint specific causes for specific cancers, but said the County Road B cases show a strong link. Those are some of the cancers that have been associated with increased risk to, in, res, uh, in respect to nitrate contamination. Matthewson is a lead author of a 2020 peer-reviewed study that identified nitrate contamination in drinking water as the probable cause of nearly 300 cases a year of colorectal and other cancers in Wisconsin. 300 cases per year in Wisconsin. The concerns have broader implications for all of U.S. farm country. The U.S. Geological Survey has found that 22% of private wells in rural areas exceed the 10 parts per million safety limit in nitrates. 22%. A, basically, a quarter of the private wells in rural areas in the United States everywhere exceed the 10 parts per million safety limits for nitrates. In Minnesota alone, authorities in 2017 found elevated levels of nitrates in 80, 80, 80 public water systems. 
That's not a farm well. That's a city's water system. 80 of them in the state, poisoned. In Iowa, 55,000 drinking water wells were contaminated with elevated nitrate concentrations, according to 2017 data. Private water wells serve about one-third of Wisconsin families. State authorities in 2022 found 10% of them exceeded the nitrate safety limits. I will say this. When I lived down in Iowa, we would have people from the Des Moines metro area drive up to our house and fill up their water bottles with water, like their, their you know, like old milk jugs, gallon milk jugs. And they would fill up and they'd say, you cannot drink the water down there. It is so, it smells so bad. It tastes so horrible. And no one seemed to, and, and I, I brought it up. I was on the radios down there and I brought it up. I was like, this doesn't seem like it's a good thing. And shouldn't we be looking into this? And I got immediately, how dare you, Matt? Don't be against the farmer. I didn't realize being pro-human was against the farmer. This is a huge problem. In Nebraska, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agencies reported that in 2018, the groundwater beneath almost a fifth of Nebraska, over 13,000 square miles, is contaminated with nitrates at more than five parts per million. The, the concentration now considered by scientists to be a health concern. Once again, the the I yeah I I don't know you know. Farming is killing us. Farming is literally killing us. Water quality data analyzed by the environmental working groups, a Washington-based research and advocacy group, found in 2020 that one in four residents of Illinois, Iowa, Kansas, Nebraska, and Wisconsin, 6.9 million people, were drinking nitrate-contaminated water from community water systems. 6.9 million people. Nitrogen is considered necessary by most U.S. corn growers who see the fertilizer as a key tool for boosting yields and harvesting bumper crops. But commercial nitrogen fertilizing and nitrogen-rich livestock and poultry manure are the leading causes of the nitrate contaminants. Formed when nitrogen combines with oxygen, they drain into surface and groundwaters, according to the state environmental and agricultural agencies. The amount of nitrogen applied to corn has increased 120 million pounds annually since 2000. Because it's easy. It's, you, you, you know, you, 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 it's easy. I want a big crop, so I'm just going to pour a ton of this toxic poison all over the crops. Because they like it, it, even though it poisons out the water supply. That's according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And the amount of nitrogen-rich and untreated liquid and solid manure from livestock being spread into farmland, most of it in the Midwest, grew to 1.4 billion tons by 2018. 300 million more tons than in 2017. As much as 70% of the nitrogen applied to farmland, according to many studies, leaked off fields and drained as toxic nitrates into the region's waters. I want to repeat that statement as well. 70% of this poison, 70% of this poison, these farmers insist they need for their crops, doesn't even stay on their crops. Only 30% does. Where does the rest of it go? Into the drinking water. Exposures to nitrates in drinking water have long been known to pose a serious threat to infants because of the presence of nitrates inhibits the ability of blood to carry oxygen. In, 26, or excuse me, in 1962, U.S. health authorities set 10 parts per million as the safe limit for nitrates for drinking water for preventing baby, blue baby syndrome. 
The science tying nitrates to cancer has been building over the last 20 years and continues to build. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention says when nitrates were ingested, they react with proteins and enzymes to form a group of chemicals called N-nitroso compounds, which are known to cause cancer in animals and cancer in humans. In 2001, researchers at the University of Iowa evaluated data from a long-term study of more than 20,000 women in Iowa and found increased risks of bladder and ovarian cancers associated with elevated nitrate levels in public drinking water supplies used by the women. Most recently, medical researchers have been conducting epidemiology studies looking at large groups of people and what they're exposed to and their rates of cancers. The results, some scientists say, indicate that exposure to nitrates in drinking water poses a health threat at much lower concentrations than the 10 parts per million federal drinking water standard. Reminder, that's a standard that was set in the 1960s, and now we're realizing that's woefully high. It should be much lower. 2018 peer-reviewed paper by the National Cancer Institute researchers and other scientists evaluated 30 epidemiologist studies of low nitrate exposure and nitrates to public drinking water systems, finding that many studies observed increased risk with ingestion of water nitrate levels that were below regulatory limits. While noting that the numbers of studies are still too few to, to allow firm conclusions without risk, the researchers reported that the strongest evidence in the relationship between drinking water nitrate ingestion and adverse health outcomes is for colorectal cancer, thyroid disease, and neural tube defects. In 2019, the Environmental Working Group published a peer review study that found that exposure to nitrates in drinking water was causing over 12,000 cancer cases annually in the United States. That's 2019. In the past decade, so there's been a lot of new research making a strong, compelling case that even at nitrate levels at much lower than 10 parts per million, you're seeing these increased risks. There needs to be a greater awareness the science is out there. Now, This, I'm going to get, I already know I'm going to get, you're anti-farmer, Matt. No, I'm pro-human, jackass. Our farming is causing environmental catastrophes with intent. I mean, we we should talk about that one case uh, where the guys dug up the, 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 the wetlands and drained them off even though it was illegal for them to do, oopsie, of course they quote-unquote accidentally did so. But no one seems to be out there forcing them to fix the problem that they caused. we go back to the New York Times story. Farms, because they don't care, the people who are growing the crops in these areas are not the farmers. Sure, They'll go on out, they'll slap on a flannel shirt and a pair of jeans and pose in front of a tractor or with their foot up on a fence post and act like, I just got out here from the back 40. They don't get their clothes dirty. They haven't worked a hard day in the fields in years. They haven't. They're corporate farms. The people who are getting exposed to this crap are the ones that are out there. The farmers, they control with contracts that basically dictate what they grow, how they grow, what kind of nitrates they put on there, how much water they're pulling up from the water system. Because they run farms like Fortune 500 businesses. 
They don't care. They don't care they're draining out the water systems in these communities. They don't care that it's costing taxpayers millions, if not billions of dollars, to have to clean up their mess from using more water than they're supposed to use. They don't care because they already know they're going to get a ton of farmers, Republicans out there in rural America saying, well, you know, those water rules were not right anyway. And, and, and you know, so, so the city doesn't have any water. Well, is that really the farmer's fault? Yes, yes, it is. But here we have now, once again, our modern farming is killing us. There's got to be a level of insanity when you read this, this story and you say to yourself, wait a second here. You've increased the amount of nitrates that you are putting on these plants. But at the same time, dramatically increased, by the way, dramatically increased the amount of nitrates. But by your own studies, 70% of it you already know is going to drain off into the water supply and kill the farmers, kill the rural Minnesotans. That's the crazy part. I'm sitting here in Minneapolis-St. Paul in a studio showing real concern for the rural community that's run out of water, for the rural community where the family members are dropping like flies with cancer and saying, dear Lord, we need to do something to stop this. And the people that are doing this to them, and on top of that, are screwing over most of our farmers with their crap business model, which hurts the Minnesota farmers on a daily basis, they're saying no. And the Republican politicians and some of the Democrats, they got jammed into their pockets, will not do anything. This is a major freaking crisis. Because those nitrates aren't going away. How much of the water in rural America is poisoned permanently? Not because of an accident, but because it was desired for profits. This is only the beginning, folks. We're going to learn the truth here. And unless we change dramatically how we farm in this country especially with climate change, which I didn't even get to that yet. We're not going to have farmers left. We're just not. 952-946-6205-952-946-6205. We'll take a break, come back, wrap up the show when we return. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. never forget what the sugar beet farm owners, the corporate sugar beet people out there did to the the farmers out there and the workers. I'll never buy their I'll never buy their damn product ever again. They basically cuz there was it was it was about money. And there is a very simple reason why in rural America that the economics out there have completely gone backwards where you have a handful of incredibly wealthy people and everyone else is living check to check eating cheetos and mountain dew and that's what they've got and it's because corporate farming has absolutely wiped out the farms it's wiped out the economic model for anyone to be able to get into the business it is poisoning the land it's using up all the water and so what they're doing is they're creating a third world country situation with no water and poisoned water when they do have it 
for those people while they basically jam as much money in their pockets as possible. We the Farming is killing us at this point. And if we don't have some serious discussions on how we rein in these farmers and how this product is being produced, this is not about liberal Matt McNeil. I'm the one that's caring about all these farmers who are dying of cancer. I'm concerned myself. You guys are the ones in rural America who keep coming hat in hand to these metro area Democrats. Who You need to give us another $20 million because we got to dig our well another 100 feet deeper because the farms that we will not tell them to stop. Please help us. I'm tired of this crap. And it's because we have a handful, a handful of corporate farmers who are basically ruining rural America for everyone else. And whenever anyone anyone ever points this out, what's the first thing they said? Those liberal Democrats are trying to take control. You better blame Joe Biden. Blame Joe Biden. That's who you need to blame. Let's go Brandon, huh? Let's blame him. Not the guy who's jamming every dollar to his pocket and saying, I need more farm aid. Uh, Dave in Duluth uh, wanted to chime in. Dynamo, Dave. Welcome on in, Dave. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Miraculous Matt. I heard this in an interview with Jesse Ventura. He uh, said that all these politicians uh, should have to wear, like you see in the Indy 500, Daytona 500, uh, a racing suit that shows who they're bought and paid for by. You know, they got tied and they got STP or whatever they're wearing a suit. And then smaller patches of their smaller sponsors. And then us voters, we know who is influencing their votes in the legislature, Senate, et cetera. Dave, Dave, thank you very much. I appreciate the phone call. Um, You know, it's it's a cute idea. It's not going to (laughs) happen. It's it's just it's a cute idea. It's it's not going to happen. You can find out who's sending these people money. They have to put out. They have to put out their spending and their donation reports and, and what they're getting from there. That's kind of what they have to do, but it takes you taking some time to go and do it and finding it out. I'm getting really tired of watching environmental catastrophe, health catastrophe, economic catastrophe after another, after another, after another strike rural Minnesota. With the cause, I mean, you can, it's not exactly like it's a mystery. You can point to the corporate farming is what's doing it to everything. And the first thing they say is, damn Democrats! Yeah. Frankly, if not for the Democrats, I imagine everyone in farm country would already be dead or without water. We're going to have to change this because this is just so deeply offensive it's not even funny. Uh, We are back tomorrow. Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a good one. Until tomorrow, see ya.